and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. This is an interview special episode where I got to speak with Caroline Foley, who is an animator, storyboard artist and story editor, whose credits include Rick and Morty, Bojack Horseman and Robot Chicken. I had a lot of fun with this one and I think you will too. Enjoy. Okay. So uh, to start at the beginning, uh, how did you get into the industry? Yeah, so um, I think for me, you know, I've always grown up with, um, you know, a lot of Disney movies. And so that was kind of like, you know, all kids kind of grow up with, a, you know, their favorite animated film. So for me, when I was about 13, The Lion King came out and there was a little featurette that I saw. And they were, you know, going behind the scenes, showing all the different you know, character designers and animators. And right at the end, they got to this one animator that it was a woman and it had been um, all men at that point. And I think she was the animator for Zazu, the bird. And it just kind of blew my mind that, you know, like I've always loved animation, but I didn't really see myself as, you know, at, at, as it being something that I could do. And so that kind of, uh, I think, inspired me a lot. And set me on the path. Um, so I uh, I went to a four-year community college to kind of like, you know, figure out what I wanted to do. There wasn't really a lot of animation going on in San Diego. And I was like, I have to, I have to go after college. So I was lucky enough to go to Cal Arts and um, to graduate just in time uh, for that 2008-2009 financial crisis. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I was actually working for a um a little studio and I got about, you know, maybe a year's worth of work in before they were like, "Ah, sorry, we can't do this anymore. Financial crisis." Um so it was really rough. I was living um in Skid Row, surviving on food stamps, you know, looking for work. And so I had a re-entry into the industry. Um I had a, a friend who was working at this company called Shadow Machine and they were making Robot Chicken at the time. And he was like, hey, we're looking for interns. Come on over and test out. And I got the gig. So I, uh, even though, you know, 2D animation was my first love, I was also very into stop motion. Um, and so that was kind of like my re-entry. Um, and from there, uh, I'm sure you'll have more questions for, for me about the projects that I've worked on. But that was, that's kind of like how it all uh went down <laughs> so you were you were a pretty big animation fan growing up um what other than the lion king what can you say which particular uh shows were like a big inspiration for you when i was growing up yeah uh so okay when i was um really little i uh, love sesame street i still do um they have all these like little cute animated segments in there i think those left a big impression on me um and i loved shows like uh rocco's modern life and there was the the disney afternoon so stuff like ducktales and gummy bears were really huge for me um and and a little later, SpongeBob came around, and I remember when that, uh, like they were teasing trailers for that, and I was like, oh man, 
this looks so cool. And they would play the the intro as like a, a teaser or something. And, and it just blew my mind, like the, the mix of style with the 2D. Because, you know, the intro has got these like little miniature sets and stuff. And I think that also had like a huge um, uh, impact on like what was possible in animation. Awesome. Um, so one of the first things you did um, was your own short, uh, No Naked. Um, yeah. How do you think that helped you transition into working in TV? Yeah, so uh, when when I first got to CalArts, No Naked was the first thing that I storyboarded. I sat I sat down and I it just came out of me, and I was like, oh, this is kind of funny and it feels very me, um, but I'm not ready to really tackle this film yet you know I I had a lot to learn about animating and you know what could I do to make it a little better so so I made it my goal to do that film in my fourth year so it really was all of my skills um coming coming together to make that film so it was you know the the storyboarding the writing the the animation everything I had learned I, I even did the uh the sound design and then the the voices for the two kids, Ty and Yelly. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but, you know, I, I really pushed myself to, uh, you know, with the animation and to, you know, really experiment with timing. And I, I think, um, uh, those, those are the two biggest, uh, things that people walk away with or at, at that time when it was, when it came out. Um, so I would say, yeah, the, a- the animation and, um, and the, the timing of uh of everything uh you know with um timing i mean in regards to like animation timing mm-hmm. um yeah uh, you feel quite a lot of different animation roles in your career um so far um and i think our listeners probably know what a storyboard artist does but um what when you've worked as a story artist uh, can you explain a bit what that entails Oh, you mean, uh, are you talking about story versus storyboard? Um, well, story artist is a specific credit uh, I've seen you credited under. Um, yeah, it's kind of, so story, storyboard is kind of this the same thing in the animation world. Um, uh, but And then there's, you know, the script writing aspect. Um, in animation, there's so many different ways you can write, you know, with, you know, uh, starting with an outline or, and then going into, um, a, a script or starting with an outline and going into, you know, storyboarding, but story, um, I think for, you know, uh, for animation is, mo- it's mostly talking about storyboarding being, if you're a story artist. What was your experience like working on Bojack Horseman? How closely did you work the show's writers or showrunners? Uh, not very closely, actually, unfortunately. So, so storyboarding on BoJack Horseman, uh, we had a a little bullpit where we were all kind of set up all the different teams, uh, not a bullpit, a bullpen. Um, and, uh, so we could all interact with each other, you know, if we had, you know, something we wanted to, to work through beat by beat, you know, we could, uh, all come together and go through stuff but the the writers were uh not always around if if they were it was mostly because they were walking through and they were going to um 
you know, show, show things to, to Netflix, um, you know, for approvals and all that. Um, but yeah, unfortunately not a lot of close interaction there. Uh, but, um, Bojack was a very cool project to be a part of. I was actually real early on in the process. Um, so it was originally a pilot, uh, there was, that was, was not sold yet uh so before it was with netflix um and and so if you watch bojack horseman the very first and second episodes half of episode one and half of episode two were actually uh the pilot so they they took the pilot split it in half made two separate stories from it um so i was on that that uh that pilot doing animation kind of figuring out how uh bojack was gonna move uh, you know, he's got this big head. If we, you know, swing his head around, is he, is there going to be, um, uh, a smear frame? A smear frame in animation is when, um, uh, you go off model and things get elongated to kind of help, uh, sell the movement that's happening instead of it all being static and still. But it didn't really work for Bojack because we did want, um, you know, it to be less goofy. It was a more serious show. Um, but it was really cool to be a part of that early process and uh, come back <clears throat> later and on season two um, help out with uh, storyboards. Um, and I got to do this really fun sequence on the first episode of season two uh, with uh, Bojack playing secretariat, doing all his weird little poses with, what are you doing here? <laughs> I think that was one of my favorite um, moments to work on with Bojack. Um, but also, like, I was storyboarding the very uh, first sequence with um, baby Bojack and his parents fighting in the background in the silhouettes. Um, so it was definitely a show where, you know, you you get tested in, in both areas. Like, how funny can you be, you know, and how can we sell this drama um, so it was really fun being, you know, getting to like scratch all those itches, uh, performance wise. And you also uh, worked as lead animator on the first three seasons of Rick and Morty. Um, uh, what were the challenges of being the only uh, full time US based animator on the show? Yeah. So um, lead animator stateside uh, for things like, you know, um, the Goodbye Moon Men sequence in season two. And uh, that was a really cool sequence to do. Um, so we have a partner studio that uh, up in Canada called Bardell. They do really great animation. It's all um, digital puppets. They're, they're kind of one of the premier studios that does that. Um, so, so they have their team over there and their own like lead animator for all of that work. And then, so I'm over here in the States doing mostly like these specialty sequences and, um, fixing things up that need some help, uh, and making new sequences. Cause a lot of times there was writing that was happening that was, you know, after an episode was finished, it's like, oh, we need a new scene here, uh, you know, kind of punch up this joke, that kind of thing, um, but uh, so I got to work on the Goodbye Moon Men sequence in in season two, which up until that point in the show, there really wasn't a lot of morphing stuff happening. There really wasn't. So this was this was new for the pipeline. And it's not really a sequence that you can 
ship out very easily because, you know, it's so organic, you know, it's so up to the artist um, who's, who's accomplishing. Uh, So, so in order to, you know, have that work, we did not send it overseas. We we kept it in house. And uh, I remember it was, it was kind of funny. So we watch these animatics before we start on an episode. And so I, you know, watched, watched the animatic for that episode. And I, I saw that sequence and, and my eyes just lit up and I was like, Oh man, I hope I get to work on that. Like, you know, I knew it would be difficult to, to send to, to Bardell. Um, and so I was just kind of, you know, sitting thinking for, you know, the weeks leading up to it. And then, um, uh, the, I think it, I can't remember if it was the technical director or the producer Mike Mendel came over and they're like, "Hey, uh, so we have this sequence. We're not sure what to do with, uh, and uh, how do you feel about animating this?" And it was the Goodbye Moon Man. I was like, "Oh my god, yes, please!" <laughs> <laughs> so, so for uh, two and a half, three weeks, I was just in absolute bliss animating wild uh, morphs and just these crazy organic uh you know lines and stuff moving around and it was it, it was really a joy um that was that was a really fun show to work on too but then also you know like Bojack Horseman Rick and Morty is a very serious show at times so uh I also worked on the um the Rick suicide sequence um so that one was very complex and very emotionally taxing uh so i always like to think of animators at you know like myself as uh actors you know maybe shy actors um we're just accomplishing the performance slowly over time frame by frame rather than uh in real time so so i was animating that uh that rick suicide sequence uh i i it, it well just to back up, it came, it came from Bardell and it needed uh, a little bit of help. So the sequence is over a minute long. So to put that in a pipeline, to put that on one animator, you know, who's trying to keep stuff on a schedule is really difficult. So, so they did, you know, the best they could with, you know, the resources of time that they had. And so it came back to me and there was a lot of work to do. So I sat, you know, down with that, that whole sequence for, you know, about two and a half weeks, um, just showing up to work every day in that mind frame of, you know, trying to get into the emotion that Rick was feeling. Um, it was really difficult. Uh, so, you know, the, the there's the two sides of, of Rick and Morty, you know, doing all those fun, crazy morphs, uh, and then, um, you know, doing all these more serious sequences that need um, a lot of uh, very serious acting. Um, so it was it was a great challenge to be a part of that very uh, high watermark in my career for animation. Yeah, well, the, the um, Goodbye Moon Men sec- uh, sec- section is is a phenomenal bit of animation. So you should thank you. You should be very proud. And now to bring us a bit more up to date, you're working on a couple of YouTube based shows. Um, how is the adjustment from working in TV and from traditional broadcasting into uh, the YouTube shows? Oh, it's 
I, I think it's awesome, honestly. So uh, the YouTube shows I've worked on um, are Toka Life Stories and Blippy Wonders, which is a big left turn from what I was doing <laughs> uh, for broadcast. Um, so they're kids shows. And uh, I I love it because I've always wanted to work in, in kids animation. Um, and... And I I wanted to uh, kind of break away from animation and get more into the storytelling side of things and become a writer. So so for both of those shows, I was the story editor. Um, and it, it, it the nice thing about uh, you, YouTube is usually stuff is short format and like you still have to follow rules, you know. Um, of like what you can and can't do. Um, but the short format is a lot of fun. It's really satisfying because, you know, when you make an episode of like Rick and Morty, it's like, you know, the whole process of writing and storyboarding and animation and all that. It, it's so, it takes so long. It's like, you know, a year before you'll see anything. Uh, whereas with um, Took a Life Stories, Blippy Wonders, you know, the process is, these are short format. They're like three and a half minutes. So, so you get to, you get more episodes and you, they, they come out quicker and they're just so easy to digest. And I, I find it really satisfying. And in such a short amount of time, you really get to the, the essence of the story that you want to tell uh, and and really like challenge yourself to bump up the comedy, bump up the action, you know, no still moments unless it really serves a purpose. Um, so I feel like it, it really I got to cut my teeth on those um, th- two shows. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you, YouTube is doing really well right now, you know, compared to all the, the streamers, they seem to kind of be figuring stuff out and while YouTube keeps chugging along. So there's uh, something to be said about that too, you know, about um, the accessibility of YouTube to, to your audience. So um, as you um, have alluded to, uh, you primarily for most of your career have worked in adult animation. Um, was it particularly something that interested you? But you said you want to work in, in kids animation. Have you been... <laughs> wanting to work in kids animation the whole time but yeah i i've always wanted to work in kids animation um so the thing about kids versus you know kids animation versus you know adult animation is it is kind of two separate worlds so uh it's it's different networks of people so when i i started working on um on Robot Chicken, you know, a lot of those people will continue to work on other adult shows, mostly, uh, you know, um, uh, stop motion shows. Uh, but, you know, they're all Adult Swim people and Adult Swim is like the huge uh, adult animated market. So you start seeing a lot of the same people there. So to break into, you know, kids for me, uh, just because I got my start in adult, uh, it, it took a, a huge effort and I had to kind of stop taking uh, job offers from adult animated shows because I was like, no, this is really what I would like to do. And I had a great time working uh, in adult animation. It was a lot of fun. 
Uh, I think it was perfect for the time in my life. Um, but you know, I, I, I've been in the industry for, you know, 14 years now. And, you know, after about a decade is when I decided to make that, that effort. And I was like, if I don't start doing this now, you know, when will I ever do it? So, um, it was a little dream of mine and I just wanted to follow it. And I had, you know, a lot of really cool projects behind me that, uh, really helped me with, um, you know, recognition and, um, you know, people, people wanted to work with me just because I had worked on Rick and Morty and Bojack Horseman, you know, they, you know, and a lot of people who work in kids want to work in adult. Um, it's just kind of funny. The, the grass is always greener on the other side. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it took, it took a big effort, but, um, I'm really happy where, where I am now and the projects that I've been working on and, um, for me, I've always just wanted to, you know, be, uh, work on stuff that's really inspiring for kids in a positive way. Um, and you know, stuff like, you know, I, Sesame Street was huge in my house growing up cause my mom ran a daycare. So we always had little kids and it was always on. And, and I think that left a huge impression on me. Um, and, and just, uh, you know, the way, the way that I think, I guess, um, it's, it's a warm, comforting, familiar space to be in. And I think also it, it, it takes you back to that time when you're little mm-hmm. and the days feel bigger and, you know, there's so much more possibility in uh, in everything. And, um, so for me, it's like, it's kind of going back. It's like re- tapping into some warm and fuzzy memories of being, being little and uh, having fun and unlimited uh, potential for the day. Awesome. Um, You've also worked, uh, uh, done some work in comics. Um, Yeah, only independently. Yeah. So um, I do have my comic Tim town, uh, which I am, branching out and uh animating little sections of that so i i am going to make a little quick short film uh with tim town but uh so tim town the comic uh is um something i made to to kind of uh let's see let's let me let me back up here it's so it's basically based on my time in living in Skid Row and having having a rough time, but also looking back on those times with fondness. So so it kind of documents some of these weird instances, like these and these weird experiences that I had. Um, and then I dial up the weirdness. So of course, there's some things in the comic that are like totally outrageous, um, but a lot of it has some truth, and um, I. I wanted to remember that time in my life. So, so it's, it's like acknowledging that I, I went through this difficult period and I came through, but also it's really silly and it's a really lighthearted, dark comedy. Um, so it's just kind of, yeah, me honoring myself uh and in that i went through a difficult period of of my my life there um but also that it 
it was also like, it wasn't like a dark period. It was, it was also fun, you know, and, and, uh, it was weird and I have a lot of cool stories and I think it can be inspiring to a lot of people, you know, there's, uh, there's a big, um, in animation, it's difficult to, to, you know, get into animation if you're from a background that's, you know, you're not well-funded, um, you know, uh, so, so I think a lot of people struggle to, to get in, you know, now it's a lot easier cause you don't have to go to like a big prestigious school. You can learn a lot online about animating and there's so many digital programs now. Um, but, uh, but there was a big gap, you know, people who were, who were financially able could work in animation and people who were not financially able, you know, even though they had this dream, it, it really, you know, it, it's a struggle. So, I think for me, um, it's just kind of honoring that and then also being a positive um, influence for those who also want to follow their dreams. And it's like, you can, you know, it's, it's hard, but um, you can, and, and um, you can look back on it with, with fondness and uh, maybe have a good time too. Maybe have a silly time. (laughs) It doesn't all have to be a struggle. So you've done you've done two D animation, you've done stop motion, you've done CG. Um, is it what's left in your career goals wise that you've still got? Uh, I I would love to work on a feature one day. Um, you know, uh, there is a, a friend of mine I went to school with who I haven't you know we haven't connected since we've graduated, but um, his name is Joel Crawford and he directed the Puss in Boots, The Last Wish um, movie, which I was blown away by that movie. I thought it was so good. It th- There's not a lot of films that uh, that mix so, so much. Like, it, it is absolutely hilarious. You've got all these different bad guys showing up, and it, and it has these moments of real, like, when when uh, Puss has his panic attack, you know, like that's a real emotional moment. And then it's got this cool wolf, you know, like it's just, it's, it's got everything. And it's at moments, it's absolutely got this frenetic energy to it. So it's just like, they, they really, they did it all. Like they shot for the moon and they got it with that movie. And it's just, it is, it's a delight. How do you do that? I don't know, but I would love to work on a movie and, and, you know, maybe a movie like that, something, something that's for kids, but also it's so much more. Um, so yeah, I think working, working in feature would be absolutely fantastic. Hey there guys. And thank you again for tuning into this episode of the AFA podcast. If you want to stay up to date with the latest animation news reviews and animator interviews, check out the main website at animationforadults.com. Best way to keep an eye out for new and shiny stuff would be to follow us on our social media accounts at Twitter at AFA Blog, Facebook, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. You're also welcome to go through our podcast catalog wherever you stream your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Acast. We are always looking for feedback, so feel free to leave us a review, rating, or even send us a voice message via our Anchor page. Or you can even drop us a line at podcasts at animationforadults.com. 
If you want to support the podcast and the website by proxy, then please zip over to our Patreon page and check out our rewards for becoming a patron. Or if you just want to do us a one-time donation, you can go check out our Ko-Fi page and buy us a virtual cup of coffee. Every little bit helps. And as always, I gotta give a shout out to our friends at Animation Nights New York, a very special monthly screening event for some of the coolest animated short films and VR experiences from around the world, curated by industry experts and amazing staff who are striving to connect new talent through both live and virtual events. For more information, check them out at www.animationnights.com. Until next time, see you, Space Cowboy. Thank <laughs> you.